Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Our ability to protect ourselves in this very fractious world is becoming more and more significant, I think, of greater and greater interest. One of the privileges we've had on this program is to speak with Vice Admiral Mark Norman, former commander of the Royal Canadian Navy and Vice Chief of the Defence Staff. And we've we've talked to the Admiral, we clearly hear from him that the Canadian Armed Forces' uh, lack of world-class warfighting equipment in this increasingly unstable world significantly alarms um, him and others in the the military world. And in March of this year, Mark uh, Norman, Admiral Norman, delivered a major speech at the annual Conference of Defence Associations Institute in Ottawa. And the Admiral provided me uh, exclusive access to the speech and what he said in part. In the very beginning, Admiral Norman, thank you for coming on the program. Um, What you said at the beginning of the the speech is, we're not taking defense and security seriously in this country, and our way of life is in jeopardy as a result. That's quite the opening. Yeah, Roy, and you know, I, I wish uh, it wasn't necessary to be so uh, stark, but uh, that that is unfortunately the the place we found ourselves in. And you know, there's really there's really two elements to this. Um, one, what's at stake, um, and as I alluded, uh, it, it it is much bigger and deeper than territorial sovereignty or physical security. This is all about. Um, our way of life uh, as a Western democracy, um, and uh, and the fact that we have um, for decades underinvested in defense and security more broadly, and the fact that uh, we've now got a, a national institution which is fundamentally in crisis, and uh, there's going to be no quick fix to this problem, unfortunately. Uh, you've said in that speech, you said national security is much more complex now. And it goes well beyond the traditional considerations that have allowed our leaders to naively rely on our physical isolation from many of the threats of previous decades. Um, speak to that, please, Admiral Norman. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, Canada has the luxury of geography uh, in, in two significant ways. First of all, um, we're surrounded on three sides by water, um, long distances, uh, either, uh, you know, to Europe or to Asia. Um, and uh, the Arctic is uh, historically has been, if not unusable, certainly hasn't been um, actively used. And then the other key component is, of course, that we're, our next door neighbor is the United States, uh, the most powerful country in the world. And and we've quite bluntly, uh, we have lazily and irresponsibly depended on the United States for our security. So those things have have caused uh, generations of Canadian leaders to basically assume that it's not a problem. So when you look at uh, what we're looking at today, I'm going to bounce a little bit between 23 and then looking ahead to 2024. When you're looking at what you talked about in March of uh, this year, and you here we are, we are in December and we're looking into 2024, has the situation at all improved for the Canadian Armed Forces since March? Do you expect improvement in, in 2024? And maybe I shouldn't even be asking this question, given the fact the federal government has already committed 
to funding cuts to the Canadian military. Did I just answer my own question? <laughs> well, yeah, I think there's, you know, there's sort of two elements to this. Is the uh, global security situation uh, likely to improve in the next uh, next year or two? Um, I would submit uh, absolutely not. Um, we're, we're seeing, um, you know, the crisis in Ukraine is is getting worse um, in many respects. Russia is becoming uh, even more confident, if I can put it that way. Uh, Ukraine is continuing to struggle. It looks like uh, their supporters and allies are starting to lose um, some patience uh, with what is coming up on nearly a year's worth of, uh, or two years worth of conflict here. So, you know, that's that's problematic. And then um, we've got Middle East, and uh, we continue to watch um, with great concern uh, developments in in uh, Indo-Pacific, even though I've discussed at length uh, a lot of the concerns about China. So that's the context. Then we have the concerns about the institution of the Canadian Armed Forces, and as you pointed out, um, you know, we have we have uh, a budget that has been growing um, over the last decade or so. It's not growing enough, and then we uh, have seen fit. The government has seen fit to implement uh, a short-term cut, which you know will will have an impact. It's going to have an impact immediately on some aspects uh, of defense, but more importantly, it's going to have a medium to long-term effect in terms of. Uh, underinvestment in maintenance and training and a variety of other things. Uh, but you won't see that uh, for another three to five years. Um, but the problems we have today are the results of underinvestments um, five, ten years ago. So it's kind of a vicious circle in many respects. What are your thoughts, Admiral, on uh, the situation um, with, with Israel and Hamas following October the 7th and Israel's military response to eradicate Hamas? You've seen the reaction that's happened across the, this country and around the world, and it's continuing. What is your assessment of that? Yeah, I have a number of concerns, Roy. Um, you know, first of all, as it relates to the the actions uh, that are underway right now, um, you know, it's, I I I maintain that uh, you know Israel has has every legitimate right to defend themselves. But I've also said on your show and elsewhere that, but they have to act responsibly, and and I think we're starting. We you know we're seeing that that uh, their stated intention of rooting out Hamas and basically destroying it um, is is beyond um, ambitious, and the cost of doing so is just horrific. And so, um, th this is this is a challenge with respect to the world community with. How far? How far do they continue to allow Israel to, um, you know, heap the devastation that they're they're laying on on the the Palestinian people in in uh, you know in the area? And then counter to that, we've got another basically um, horrible. Um, terrorist organization that uh, feels that they're above the uh, rules and expectations of, of international conduct, um, and they do need to be rooted out. But at, the problem is that it's the people who are stuck in the middle of all this. So uh, we're also seeing a shift in Canadian um, popular opinion. We're seeing political leadership 
that seem to be unwilling to take a firm stand um, and uh, to single out um, you know Hamas uh, for for what they are, and that disturbs me. Um, and we're seeing, I think, a generational shift in terms of what has been traditionally steadfast support for Israel, and we're starting to see an increasing um, uh, degree of, I, I would call it naive support, um, not so much for the Palestinian people themselves, which is completely understandable, but the fact that they uh, those supporters are indirectly uh, endorsing uh, the the horrific actions of Hamas. So that's kind of a jumbled response to your question, but I, I think, uh, you know, we've got a real problem on our hands. Yeah, I'm just wondering about the uh, potential for this situation to expand, and that's been talked about a great deal. Uh, Israel was able to uh, work out agreements, or start to work out agreements with um, with neighboring countries they've long had issues with. Now that has been put on hold because of what's going on regionally. And the concern is that this could expand uh, and, and, and move far beyond even the Middle East. Do you have concerns about that? Yeah, I do. And uh, I, echo, I echo your concerns. You know, there's, there, there is no one um, sort of homogeneous or monolithic uh, position here. Um, but we do have a number of players uh, in the region who have stated uh, w- without any ambiguity whatsoever that that they they do not believe that Israel has any legitimacy as a nation, let alone uh, its ability to defend itself. And so I include Iran and some of the other regimes in that. And they're just looking for a reason or an excuse. Um, there are other um, non-state actors, some of the other terrorist organizations in the region who have who share that view. So they're watching very carefully. We also have some more, I would say, uh, seasoned and responsible players. Um, you know, Egypt seems to be behaving quite responsibly and looking at this and trying to help out as best they can. And some of the other countries in the area are are equally so. But yeah, so so you know, there, it's it's what. What is going to cause one of these uh, crazy factions or a country like Iran to um, basically decide that somebody's crossed a red line and now they're going to um, escalate the situation in some way? And that's partly why the Americans are being so um, aggressive in terms of uh, their strategic posturing in the region, and which is to send very clear signals to some of these possible players that they're not going to. Um, they're not going to put up with any um, uh, irresponsible action on their part. Okay, Admiral Norman, what is our Canadian military capable of now? How could? How well are they prepared to act in the defense of this country if that became necessary? What do we have? What don't we have? What do we need? And how quickly could we obtain it if there were government will? Yeah, I think the best way to answer that question in terms of what we have is um, we have um, uh, pockets of uh, capability. Uh, We have uh, insufficient overall capacity across um, all three uh, of the services uh, traditionally. Um, We have reasonable... um, 
isolated capability. And so that, I mean, you know, special operations forces are, are very capable and reasonably well staffed, although they they have shortages as well. Um, the Air Force uh, is being re-equipped to some degree, but it's uh, chronically short of uh, people, um, especially air crew and technicians. Um, the Army is a shadow of its former self. Um, it, it struggles to uh, sustain um, a relatively modest uh, contribution to our forward presence in Latvia. Um, and it suffers both a lack of equipment, a lot of it has been gutted uh, to support the effort in Ukraine, or it just basically has rusted out um, and, and hasn't been replaced. And they're suffering significant shortages of people as well. And the Navy um, is um, uh, dealing with uh, literal rust out of uh, aging fleets that are now um, probably a decade past um, what their intended life uh, expectancy was supposed to have been with replacements a decade plus uh, away in the future. And they're also chronically understaffed. So we can do little bits of what we're supposed to be able to do. We can deploy small packages, if you will, um, internationally, um, and, uh, but, but we don't have the bench strength. And, and then domestically, um, there's a significant uh, shortfall in terms of the kinds of capabilities that are required to um, protect North America um, in uh, terms of aerospace defense, in terms of maritime defense. So, you know, it's, it, unfortunately, it's a pretty sad state of affairs. Um, in, in the simplest terms possible, it is a uh, perfect storm with respect to massive shortages of people under investment that has caused the existing fleets to be uh, obsolete or, or completely ineffective and um, a woefully uh, slow and inadequate procurement system. Uh, it can't be fixed overnight, uh, even if there was a will to do so, and even if uh, a government was prepared to throw um, billions of dollars of extra money at it, and I'm not advocating for that, because there are so many broken uh, systems inside the overall um, processes of recruiting and training and procurement and everything else. This is going to take decades to fix, and it's going to take a uh, lasting commitment that has to span um, multiple mandates of different governments. So this has to stop being a political issue, and this has to be treated as a strategic issue that affects um, our national interests at their core, and we need to start behaving seriously. Are you confident we're going to do that? What level of confidence do you have that politics will be set aside in the needs of the country and, and uh, providing the kind of Canadian armed forces we require? I have about a minute and a half. Yeah. I, am I confident? Not really. Um, do I think it's possible? Yes. Um, and am I optimistic? Um, yes. However... Um, I really think, uh, to be quite blunt, we need, a, we need a swift kick in the rear end. And uh, um, if we can't do that to ourselves, 
then I think uh, um, our key and closest ally perhaps needs to uh, start sending us even clearer signals or perhaps start ways. Um, and uh, it would be naive of Canadians to believe that our great relationship with the United States is something that we can take for granted. And I think that the legislators and leaders in the United States um, still have a few levers left in their toolbox to point out to us that we're not uh, we're not living up to our international expectations. Yeah, we're we're living in such an unsteady world, and that's been made very clear to us. Uh, first, with uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and now the situation uh, in the Middle East with uh, Israel and Hamas, and the demonstrations that have taken place and continue to take place, and the genocidal uh, claims uh, against Jews and, and and Israel. It's a very, very unsteady world, and it's not something that we can uh, we can just uh, bypass. So, 10 seconds, Admiral, do you feel better about the situation in 24 than 23, or more of the same? I think we're looking at more of the same, and I wish that was not the case, Roy. Um, but sadly, I think that's where we find ourselves. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.